So we've been in the middle of talking about the Eightfold Noble Path, and we discussed how they fall under three categories. You know, the higher training of ethics, higher training of concentration, higher training of wisdom. And so we did the three that fall under higher training of ethics, which were, right, speech, livelihood, and action, okay? And so those, really watching those things and how they function in our life help us um, put our life in order, help us live some kind of um, life that, that in which we can be happy this lifetime and avoid conflict with people and also create good karma for future lifetimes and also enrich the mind with positive potential that we can dedicate for Buddhahood. So it's a very good thing, you know, those three. And if we do those, we'll find like a real change in our mind and a change in our life and in our relationships with other people. And so before we we engage in any high, you know, practices, mystical, glorious ones, um, it's really good to put our our basic daily life in shape by practicing, you know, the 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 right or brought to fruition speech and action of livelihood. And so today, then, we're going to talk about the ones that are under the higher um, training and concentration. And those are two. Some, sometimes they put this one of effort. Sometimes they put under concentration. Sometimes they put it under wisdom. So it could be two or three. But anyway, two of them are mindfulness and then concentration. And then maybe wisdom if we decide to put it there. Otherwise, we can put it under. Huh? No, I said... Higher training of mind, um, under higher training of concentration is mindfulness and concentration. And then effort can go either under concentration or under wisdom. Okay? Did I say it right? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so mindfulness. And the mindfulness is a real interesting thing because uh, how it's described in different situations is quite different. And also this this one, um, as we talk about mindfulness and the four close placements of mindfulness, they're discussed differently in different traditions. Um, so I'm going to predominantly kind of approach it from the Theravada approach. And I might sprinkle in a little of, of the other, you know, the Mahayana approach as well. So mindfulness is, is here referring to like a bare attention or bare observation to what is going on. And we develop four close placements of mindfulness. And they're called close placements because um, we think about them a long time. We familiarize ourselves with them a long time. Our mind is placed close to these four. Okay, we become extremely mindful of these four. And so these four close placements of mindfulness, okay, these are mindfulness of the body, of the feelings, of the mind, and then of phenomena or mental events. Different ways to say the last one. Okay, and so here, I mean, it's real interesting how, how they're described in different contexts. Anyway. Um, so the mindfulness of the body is being aware of what the body is doing, what's happening in the body, the sensations in the body. And so if you're meditating on this, you might start just with the breathing meditation, okay? You're placing the mind on the body, 
on the process of the breath and what the body's doing during that. You can also, um, some, some teachers teach like a scanning meditation. You scan various parts of the body and you're aware of all the different sensations, maybe going from the head down, back up again, being aware of the different sensations in the different part of, parts of the body. And um, this is practiced not only when, when you're seated, you know, in, in formal meditation, but also as you're walking around, so that when you're walking, you know you're walking, okay? When you're running, you know you're running. When you're standing, you know you're standing. So the mindfulness is just being kind of completely conscious, completely aware of what your body is doing in that present moment. We're often uh, quite spaced out regarding our body, yeah? And uh, especially sometimes with our body language, isn't it? You know, sometimes we aren't aware at all of how we're sitting until other people kind of said, Boy, I was talking to you. You seemed really, you know, kind of closed down. Well, why? You know, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. And if we were aware, we might have realized we were sitting like this, you know, kind of our arms protecting ourselves. Or we're sitting there like this, you know. (laughs) You know, a little bit nervous, but we're not aware of it. I mean, how many times do you pick something up and you're playing with it when you're talking? Yeah? Or shaking your foot when you're talking? I mean, so often we're totally spaced out just in the simple matter of what's going on with our body. (laughs) What position we're sitting in, how we're standing, you know, what our body language is conveying to other people, how we lie down, what's going on in our body as we're lying down, what are the sensations, what's the position. So this is really bringing us back to and at the present moment in terms of what our body is doing, so that we know what it's doing. We know when it's lying, how it's lying. We know what it feels like when it's lying down, when it's sitting up, when it's moving. Okay? And so similarly, in your meditation, sometimes you pay attention to body sensations. Yeah? Your knee hurts. So instead of instantaneously moving it, you just, uh, you know, you watch it a little bit. And you separate out the pain, or, well, not the pain, but you separate out the sensation from the idea of, this hurts and I don't like it. And why are they making me sitting here? I sit here anyway. Okay. So just be aware of the sensation. Okay. If something itches, be aware of the sensation. Yeah. If your sunburn is burning, be aware of the sensation. So it's just kind of a, a bare awareness of the sensation of the body position, the body language. Okay. So this is something we can do in meditation. It's also something that, that's quite effective and quite important when we're not in meditation. And I think that as we become aware of this, we also get a lot of information um, about ourselves and the messages we give to other people through the way we hold our body and the way we use hand gestures okay, and the way we move our head. All these different things, they, they're... We communicate a lot, but sometimes we're spaced out. Okay? So that's, that's, uh, mindfulness of the body. Then mindfulness of the feelings. The here feeling is, it's another example of an English word that doesn't match the Tibetan meaning or the Buddhist meaning. Because when we hear feeling, we think of like, you know, 
I feel anger or I feel joy or something like that. Here we're not talking about the feeling in the sense of emotion. Okay, that's fallen in the next category. Here we're talking about feeling in the sense of pleasant feeling, okay, unpleasant feeling, and neutral feeling. And all of our feelings, both physical feelings and mental feelings, fall under those three categories. So you might have a pleasant physical feeling when you're lying in the sun, or an unpleasant physical feeling when you've lied there too long, okay, or a neutral feeling when you've fallen asleep. Yeah, or you're not paying attention to it. You might have pleasant mental feelings when you think about somebody you really like, or unpleasant ones when you think about somebody you don't like, or neutral ones when you're just kind of staring at the highway. Okay? <laughs> so, mindfulness of feelings is being aware of what, what the feeling is. Okay? So when you feel something pleasant, you're aware of it. When you feel something unpleasant, you're aware of it. And again, so often we're totally spaced out just about this this very raw data of, of what, what our feelings are. And when we aren't aware, it gets us in a lot of jams. Because sometimes we have a pleasant feeling, and we're not aware that we have a pleasant feeling. So what happens is our attachment jumps in and, and sticks onto the pleasant feeling and says, this feels good, I want more. And then we all know what happens as soon as attachment gets in. Because then as soon as I want more comes, then by goodness, we're going to get more. And it doesn't really matter what we have to do to get it. Okay, as long as we don't look too impolite. Okay. <laughs> so attachment arises in response to pleasant feeling when we're not aware of the pleasant feeling. Okay. Because it's so easy when you just have a pleasant feeling, immediately we cling to it. We want more. We want it to continue. Or if we don't have it, we want it to come back. Whereas if we're really aware of the pleasant feeling when it's happening, then we're just aware that it's there. We're able to be with it and leave it at that instead of the mind immediately jumping to the future and grasping on. Okay? So you might try that you know, next time you have a bowl of ice cream a frozen yogurt, non-fat kind for the dieters. Um, you know, when you eat it, just, just taste it and see if it's pleasant, see if it's unpleasant, see if it's neutral, and see if you can, you know, just let the pleasant sensation be without the mind immediately saying, I want more, where's the next spoonful? Yeah, just experience the pleasant sensation and let it be. Similar, similarly, when we have unpleasant sensations, you know, when we aren't mindful of those, then the next step is, what happens? Anger. Anger. Yeah? Unpleasant sensation? I don't like it. Yeah? If I've, I've, I have aversion toward, towards it. I want to make it go away. So again, when we aren't aware of the unpleasant sensation, then the anger comes up very, very quickly after that. And you can see that sometimes when you're talking to somebody. Maybe they start to say something, and at first it just sounds unpleasant to you. And if you can just, you know, or maybe a sound, maybe some music, that might be a better example. You know, you hear a sound or, or music or, or something, and it sounds unpleasant, but instead of just acknowledging, yes, that is an unpleasant feeling, you know, if we don't do that, 
then what happens is the mind jumps in and says, that's unpleasant and I don't like it. How come they're playing that kind of music so loud anyway? Why don't they be quiet? Blah, 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 blah. Okay? So the key here is just to, if there's an unpleasant sensation, like, you know, you're hearing something unpleasant, just to be there with the unpleasant sensation. Yeah? Just to feel what it feels like without going on to the next step of the anger. Similarly, with indifferent feelings, yeah, indifferent mental feelings, indifferent physical feelings, when we aren't aware, then what do we generate? Ignorance. Yeah? Space out. Apathy. We don't care. Indifference. Ignorance. Bewilderment. You know? Just kind of out of touch. So we're, we're driving on the highway, kind of neutral feeling. Nobody's cutting you off. Nobody's letting you in. Just driving, spaced out. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of encouraging, you know, the neutral feeling. And we're not aware of it. And then the kind of apathy just kind of sinks in at that moment. So remember when we study the 12 links? Those of you who endured the Lamrian, um, <laughs> when we were studying the twelve links, there was the link of feeling, okay, and that that link is a very important one because if you can just be aware of what the feeling is, then we don't go on to the next link, which was craving, okay, either craving for more of it or craving for less of it. So it's, it becomes a very good way to stop the creation of karma. If you're just aware of the feelings and then don't react so much with the different disturbing attitudes, then it stops us from creating a lot of negative karma. Okay, so when you're meditating on this, you can just sit there and be aware of the different feelings. You can be aware of physical feelings. You know, again, pleasant sensations, unpleasant sensations, neutral sensations in your body. You can also be aware of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral mental sensations, too. You know, as different thoughts come in your mind or different moods, just be aware of, of, of what they are. Uh-huh. Mindfulness Yeah. So you're saying mindfulness gives you the ability to stop the attachment and aversion, but how does that work? Basically, because if you're mindful, then you're just with that present moment and what it's feeling like. Whereas the attachment and the aversion are very much reacting to the present moment. It's kind of half experiencing it, but already leaping towards the future. Already leaping towards, I want more, I want less. Okay? So by just being there with it and being content to be there with it, then you stop that mind that's you know, jumping to the future. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you, it's more, it's better to, to try and wake ourselves up. Okay. And just be aware, okay, I'm feeling neutral instead of just kind of the blahs, the ignorance, the apathy towards it. So, yeah. Well, this is, I mean, we're, we're coming to watching the thoughts. It's going to come here, the fourth one. But watch this. I mean, the best laboratory is in our own mind. And watch what your mind does. 
Okay, watch what your mind does when something starts to itch. And initially there's the physical sensation. Then there's the thing of it's unpleasant. And then the mind starts to wonder, oh, I wonder if a mosquito bit me. I wonder how long I have to sit here before I can rationalize it, scratching it. You know, I wonder if I have a fungus. I wonder this, I wonder that, you know. Okay. And sometimes you sit there and you wonder so much that you're, you know, you're totally convinced you have a huge rash all up and down your leg. Okay? So, you have the physical sensation, then you, and together with that, the feeling, and then the thoughts just, you know, flood in. And so this is the thing to be aware of. You know, just to watch, do research in your own laboratory. We don't, you know, otherwise we're just intellectualizing about it. But just watch your own experience. And watch how, if your mind operates anything like mine, how your mind immediately jumps in and starts making up some story about it, about what's going on. But you're just, just watch that, okay? Step back and watch it like you're watching a movie. I'm not talking about dissociating. You know, I'm not t- talking a lot, a lot about becoming a psychological space case. But just just instead of getting immediately reactive to everything that goes on, to be able to say, oh, yes, that's happening. Okay. Let me go on here because it, it might come a little bit. Okay.